Why don't you uh, turn to Philippians chapter 4 if you have your Bibles. We're going to get there in a second. I'm still very disappointed in you. I, 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 I can't believe I'm the only NBA fan um, in this whole building this morning. I even have on socks. Look at those. I don't know if you could zoom in on those, but it's pretty pathetic, I know. But um, it is what it is. Hey, we are finishing up. Um, this sermon series that we've been um, going through in, in the book of Philippians. We started this series uh, September 6th, and uh, I don't know what today is. It's December something or other, but um, we're still wearing masks, and that's fun. We got that going for us, but I hope and I pray that this series has been beneficial for you, and I hope that uh, you've really learned uh, quite a bit more about this book, and you're really growing in Jesus through this. So, uh, why don't I read this passage? We're, we're looking at, at kind of a big chunk this morning. We're looking at verses 10 through 23. I'm going to focus primarily on three verses in the passage, but we're going get, to get to a good bit of this as well. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. And here's where we're headed this morning before I read the passage. Jesus is more than enough. That, that's kind of the big idea. And I think it's a pretty good one going into Christmas and having to deal with everything we've had to deal with in 2020. Jesus is more than enough. Let me read this passage. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Philippi and to us. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need... I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full. And I have abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you that you are a good God and you gave us your word to help us to pursue you and to want more of you in our lives. And God, we pray for that this morning. Help us to see, Jesus, that you are more than enough. We can be content, God, in this world, in this life, if we have you and you alone. So draw us, Jesus, to yourself. God, if we're far from you this morning, awaken our hearts, awaken our minds. 
And show us your kindness, your love, your compassion, your grace for us. God, if we've been following you, help us to to grow in you all the more. Show us something else, something new about you, God, that maybe we've not known before. Quicken us, Jesus, to see that we need you and you alone. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Years ago, um, I don't know how many years ago now it was, maybe 16 years ago or so. Um, before, before I began seminary, which is a, a three-year program in, in Bible and theology and all that good stuff, I was, I was pretty nervous and intimidated. Now, I wasn't necessarily worried about the classes that focused on the Bible or theology, but I was terrified of taking the two languages that were requir- I was required to take. To complete my three-year Master of Divinity degree, I had to finish three semesters of not only the Hebrew language, but Koine Greek, not corny Greek, Koine Greek. It's now a dead Greek language. It's not spoken anymore. Now, I can barely speak and understand English, let alone learning two foreign languages, one that is now dead. My wife and my girls constantly make fun of me with how I communicate. They say I make up words and I make no sense at all. Up here, I'm a little bit more polished, but at home, there's a lot of gibberish and nonsense coming out of my mouth. Well, needless to say, with those two courses, six semesters in all, I actually did better than I thought I was going to do. I don't need to get into all that now, but, but I say all that to say, <laughs> learning something challenging is difficult. It's overwhelming. And at times, we can feel like giving up. I had plenty of those nights, believe me. But we have to learn, develop, and mature if we want to grow, if we want to be productive, if you want to earn a raise, and so on. Learning is vital in anything in life, including growing and maturing in Christ. Now, I know where our minds might run. This is where my mind often runs. When I hear about learning or growing in Christ, I think of something like, I I need to memorize more verses of the Bible. I need to read more Christian books. See, we often think to grow and to learn in Jesus, I need to do more to grow in Christ. And sure, learning more truths, learning theology, learning uh, the Bible, all of this good stuff, it all has its place. It's incredibly important. But there is something that we must learn that is of maybe equal and maybe at times greater value. We need to learn to be content in Christ. See, learning doesn't always involve doing. We need to learn that Jesus is more than enough. We need to learn that we need nothing in our lives but Him. We need to learn to be totally and absolutely content in Christ. So I want to ask you a question before we proceed is... Are you content in Him? 
Are you content in Jesus? Or are you constantly looking uh, to something or someone else to fulfill your needs or your wants or your desires? Now, I want to get into the passage now, but we'll come back to this in a, in a few minutes. But we need to remember that I've mentioned this about weekly, I believe, but the Apostle Paul was in prison when, when he wrote this letter, right? I mean, he's in prison in Rome writing to the church at Philippi. Day and night, he is chained to a Roman soldier. He could not leave his cell, yet... He wrote this joy-filled letter. Remember, we talked about this quite a bit throughout this series, especially on the front half of it. But he wrote this joy-filled letter to the church at Philippi. Thirteen times throughout this four-chapter letter, he mentions the word rejoice or joy. Thirteen times in just four chapters. He's in prison and he's rejoicing. He's in prison, chained to a Roman soldier, hungry, beaten, and he's joy-filled. See, the reason he was so full of joy and the reason he could rejoice, even though his circumstances stunk, was that he learned, he said, the secret of the Christian life. Contentment in Christ. Contentment in Christ. Jesus was more than enough for the apostle. Look at verse 10 again. He said, I rejoice. There's that word. I rejoiced in Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about this guy, Epaphroditus, and he comes up again here at the end of the letter. But remember, Epaphroditus was a member of the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi wanted to hook the Apostle Paul up with some financial gifts and probably some other parchments and what have you. And they sent Epaphroditus like hundreds and hundreds of miles away to give the gift to Paul. So because of their generosity, Paul said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now notice, he didn't rejoice in the Philippians. He rejoiced in the Lord. Now, he rejoiced in the Lord because he is the one, the Lord is the one that put the generosity on the Philippians' hearts and minds. Now, Paul said, I knew you were concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity. Now, we don't know what happened here. This is one of those things that's kind of lost in history. We don't know why they lacked the opportunity to bless him for a while. Maybe they couldn't locate Paul. I mean, this is before the days of email and internet and Life 360, you know, where your kids and your spouse and your family can spy on you and see everywhere you go. We have that app. It's kind of fun. I could see how fast my wife is driving. And then I bring it up and I say, you were speeding today. She no, I wasn't. I, you were going 79 miles an hour. She's, she's a terrible backseat driver, I'm telling you. But anyhow, that's why I bring it up. <laughs> but maybe they couldn't locate him for a little while. I mean, he was a missionary and he traveled all over the world at that point sharing the gospel. Maybe they couldn't locate him because he was in prison and they, and they hadn't gotten that news yet. I mean, news traveled very slowly back then. It was by foot. Or what have you. But there's this lapse in time. And needless to say they didn't stop caring for the Apostle Paul. 
And he finally receives this gift, and we see that he's thankful. He didn't resent the delay. He didn't wonder, why didn't they give me more? It's a good time to think about that as Christmas is rolling up. Kids, when you come down, you look at those gifts, and you go, but what? But where? He didn't wonder, why didn't they give me more? No, he was grateful for their care and their generosity. We see Paul's contentment coming through, even in verse 10. He didn't, he didn't need their gift, he said. He had Jesus, and Jesus was more than enough, but he was thankful nonetheless when the gift arrived. Now, he wanted the Philippians to know, listen, he wanted the Philippians to know, I'm not expecting your gifts. I'm thankful for them, I'm grateful for them, but I'm not expecting it. Nor was he asking for more. He's saying, thank you, I'm good, I got Jesus. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. He said, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned, there's that word, we say it twice now, the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Now, you've got to see this. This is huge. See, we sometimes forget, as I've said many times, that when we come to the Bible, we've got to remember that these are real people, just like you and me. Paul was a real man who struggled with doubts and sin and all of that stuff, just like us. Paul didn't receive contentment overnight. He said, I have learned, verse 11, to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content. Learning contentment isn't easy, is it? It's a grind. It's hard. It's hard to be content with the house that you have. It's hard to be content maybe with the car that you have or the job that you have. It's hard to be content with the kids that you have. I'm just kidding. Of all the things we will learn throughout life, though, learning to be content with Jesus, I promise you will be the hardest. So I want to ask you this question. Are you content in Christ? Now, write that down. Try to reflect on it. Whatever you've got to do. But I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to wrestle with that question today. Are you content in Christ? Don't just let it go. Don't walk out these doors and then just forget about this. Are you content in Christ? And maybe if I could push that a little bit further, what do you think you need to be content? Will your circumstances changing make you content? Maybe you get a new house, a new car, a new man, a new woman, a new set of kids. I don't know. But, but what do you think you need that's, that's, that's going to give you contentment? It's going to change. You get whatever it is. New house, new man, new woman. It's going to change. See, we live in a day and an age when we have everything we want, yet we feel like we have nothing. Amen? Everything we can possibly imagine is at our fingertips, and we're discontent. 
We always want more. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. The apostle learned. He learned. Again, he didn't wake up one morning with this kind of revelation. He learned to flip the narrative. He learned how to find Jesus to be entirely sufficient. I'm suffi- I've got everything I need in, in Jesus. And, and in the process, he learned to let go of not only self-sufficiency, but stuff sufficiency. Stuff isn't going to make me content. My sinful self isn't going to make me content. I need to find contentment outside of myself and in something and in someone that's perfect. And the only thing, the only person that can make me content. Now, anxiety, you'll see kind of why I'm speaking to this, but anxiety and worry disappear when we find contentment in Christ. In 2019, Gallup, you know, they do tons of studies, right? Gallup did an extensive study and revealed the United States leads the world in anxiety. 2019. Pre-COVID. We led the world in anxiety. In May of this year, three months into the shutdown, now we're what, nine months in? This is May of this year, three months into the shutdown, the Census Bureau released that one-third of Americans are anxious. I would have to imagine it's way higher than that right now. One-third in May. See, anxiety is a sure sign we're discontent. Well, pastor, why do you say that? Because we're unsettled and restless with life not going our way. That's why we're discontent. That's why we're anxious. It is not going the way I want it to. I can't control the outcome of this. Therefore, I'm going to spin out of control. We can't relax because we're not in control. And we're not in control because Jesus is in control. And we're not finding our rest and our fulfillment in Him. Now, as Americans, we're discontent. And as Christian Americans, we're discontent. And for quite a few of us, this election cycle has shown that. We're placing our trust in a, in a political candidate or in a political system rather than Jesus. And when our guy doesn't win or our party doesn't win, oh my Lord, everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Excuse my language. Really? I thought it was just Jesus. See, like the Apostle Paul, we need to flip the narrative. See, what are we so worried about, right? Do do we believe Jesus' words? I will never leave you or abandon you? Or not? Do, Do we believe those words or not? Are those words relevant to our everyday lives or just on Sunday when the preacher gets up here and yells? Now, did you notice the Apostle Paul said, I have learned how to be content with a little 
and a lot. Now in his letters to the church at Corinth, we have kind of life examples that he shares with times that he had a little. Listen to what he says. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. I think the narrative has to be flipped, doesn't it? How about this one? The end of 2 Corinthians. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers. Dangers from my own people. Dangers from Gentiles. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers at sea. And dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship. Many sleepless nights. Hunger and thirst. Often without food. Cold and without clothing. And he is content in Christ. Oh my word. And we don't really have, because it's Paul, we don't really have any biblical examples of his contentment with a lot. Now we imagine that when he visited kind of the wealthy Christians in Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi, remember Lydia, she was a, a wealthy tradeswoman, no doubt when, when uh, Paul and Luke and others came to to uh, Lydia's house. They were probably blessed. They were well fed. All that good stuff. But, but what we find is learning contentment comes when we live for Jesus over and above everything else in life. Whether we're well fed or not. Whether we have abundance or nothing. See, I want to remind you and I want to remind myself because I struggle with contentment just like you. I'm always wanting the next thing. My wife will tell you I'm constantly trading up. <laughs> I've got to have the new thing. So I want to remind you and I want to remind myself we live in a, in a sinful and a broken world. We're surrounded by sinful and broken people. We are individually sinful and broken. Life will not always go our way. Can you handle that? See, without Jesus, you can't handle it. With Him, you can. Without Him, you're going to constantly be looking for something, anything in this world to satisfy you, to make you feel content. But it can't and it won't. And just think about your life for a minute. And, and the reason why you go from one thing to the next, right, is because you're not content. Because that thing, whatever it is, whether it's a, a person, whether it's a sexual relationship, whether it's cars, a house, whatever it is, jobs. I mean, people go from one job to the next. is, is you, Because you can't find contentment in anything of this world. See, all of us are looking for a silver bullet in life. All of us are. We're looking for that one thing that's going to make us happy. What is that thing that's going to give me joy? What is that one 
thing that is going to calm my restless heart and my restless mind. It's Jesus. And just Jesus. See, he's the silver bullet. He is. He's what we're longing for. He is the secret. If there are any secrets in the Christian life, and there really aren't, but this is it. I mean, Paul actually says that. Whatever we have, we have to learn to find our contentment, our satisfaction in Christ, whether we have a little or a lot. The secret of the Apostle Paul and the secret of every Christian that lives a joy-filled, victorious life says, I need Jesus, just Jesus. He is more than enough. I don't care what I get at Christmas. I don't care what I get for my birthday. I don't care about my bonus, my raise. I don't care about anything else. I need Jesus for contentment. Now, with that in mind, right, I'm content, Paul said. Whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, whether I'm in abundance or in need, I'm content. And then he writes Philippians 4.13. Ooh, about to take some of y'all to the woodshed. He said, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now here we find one of the most quoted and most misquoted passages of the Bible. The Apostle Paul is not suggesting in any way that God is giving him strength to pull his chains off, punch out a Roman soldier, and run through a brick wall and escape the prison. That's not what he's suggesting at all. But that's how we quote it. Now could God give him the strength to do that? Yeah, I suppose. But that's not the context. The all things refers to what Paul wrote about in verse 11 and verse 12. I can do all these things. Being content in whatever circumstance I'm in. I can do all these things. Whether I'm well fed or hungry. Whether I'm in abundance or in need. I can do all these things. Philippians 4.13 refers to being content in Jesus. Listen, I can leave this church right now. I can put some eye black under my eye, fill 4.13 on it, right? I I can maybe tattoo it on my arm, but that does not mean in any way I can walk out on a football field this afternoon, NFL field, and throw a touchdown pass. It ain't going to happen. I'll get broken in half. And y'all would laugh and mock me. See, quoting that verse, quoting Philippians 4. I I love Tim Tebow, okay? But quoting that verse does not make us Superman or Superwoman. It doesn't. It should cause us, quoting that verse should cause us To focus, y'all, on a super God. That's what it's about. I can do all things because of Jesus. He has me. Whether I'm laying on the ground because a 300-pound lineman has driven me into the, the turf, I can still do all things. Or whether I just threw the touchdown pass, I can do all things. Whether I have abundance or whether I'm in need. 
See, the point of Philippians 4.13 is that regardless of the roller coaster of life, the spiritual strength of Jesus and being content in him is enough. It's enough. He's enough. So I want to ask you the question again. Are you content with Jesus? Is he enough for you? Or do you need more? Here, here's a way to, to kind of gauge the barometer of your contentment. How you fare in wearing that mask? How you faring on Friday afternoon driving up and down Route 1? I wasn't doing so hot this past Friday, let me tell you. Like, where did all these people come from? Ain't nobody want to go to church, but they're all going to Walmart and stop and shop right now. Get me started. How you faring with the cold weather? I want to remind you, it's warm today, but I want to, we got snow coming tomorrow and, and middle week, but I want to remind you, you live in New England. You got to figure out how to be content with the weather. Everybody complains, it's cold outside. Uh, yeah, it's December. And then July comes, everybody, it's too hot. It's July! Move to Maine, Canada. Whatever. All right, I want to move quickly through verses 14 through 16. The Apostle Paul, again, in these verses, we don't need to get into it now. I read it a few minutes ago, but, but he's kind of expressing his gratefulness, his thankfulness for the Philippians and their consistent support of him and his ministry. That's basically what he said in verses 14 through 16. Now look again at verses 17 and 18. He said, not that I seek the gift. Again, he's saying, listen, thank you for the gift. You don't, you don't need this morning. I appreciate it. I am grateful. I am thankful. Thankful. Thank you. I don't seek the gift. I don't need the gift. But he said, what I seek is the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. So again, he's thankful for the gift. He wasn't waiting around for the support because he had more than enough in Jesus. Now, Paul wanted to see the Philippians grow in Christ and be rewarded by him. That was his desire. So when he said, I seek the profit that is increasing to your account, in other words, what he is saying is this, I want you to receive a reward from God for your kindness. That's my hope. Thank you, but, but a, a bigger blessing than what you gave me would be that God is blessing you for your kindness and your generosity. See, their sacrificial giving to Paul helped the Philippians to mature in Christ while securing their eternal reward. Do you see what's happening here? See, their giving helps them to grow and mature. Your giving will help you grow and mature. There is so much in here. I wish I had time to get all into it this morning, but there is so much in here about why it is important to give sacrificially to the church and why it is so important to give to support the ministry and mission of a Christian body like this. Because in the giving, here's what we're doing. In the giving, we're saying and we're showing God, it's all yours. It's all yours. You've given me everything that I have. And I have more than enough. I have more than enough. I'm completely 
Jesus, and I am totally content in you. So I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give to this missionary because it's all yours anyway. You've blessed me with every single dollar, every single penny that I have. I love the gospel-centered confidence and assurance that, that Paul wrote about in verse 19. He said, and my God. I love when Paul writes that. From that first person perspective, he writes that a lot. And my God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, when we live by faith, when we're content in Christ, we're able to see how he provides everything we need, both now and for eternity. When you find your contentment in Jesus, that's when you start realizing and you start seeing everything that he has truly given you. But if you're constantly wanting and searching for more, then you're constantly shaking your fist at God going, why aren't I like the Joneses? Why aren't you giving me what I deserve? What do you deserve? Let's be honest here. Jesus is enough. He's more than enough. There's no need to worry. There's no need to live with a discontent heart and mind. Jesus has you. He has you. Right now, in this day, He has you. Tomorrow, He will have you. On your deathbed, He will have you. You are secured as a Christian, for all eternity. Before Jesus right, ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he left us with these sweet words. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Those are sweet words. Easy to memorize. When you're feeling discontent, worried, anxious. Now the letter closes with with a, a short greeting, right? He's like, greet these people, greet these, and Caesar's household greet you, da 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 And then he gives us kind of this sweet doxology. A doxology is essentially a praise to God. Thank you, God, for your grace. See, it's that grace that God gives us that enables us to live a content life. Now, as I draw this to a close, I, I want to I ask this question again. Are you content? Are you content? See, contentment has nothing to do. Listen, Contentment has nothing to do with your relationship status. Contentment has nothing to do with your paycheck, has nothing to do with your job title, has nothing to do with your physique, where you live, your GPA, your SAT, how many likes or people follow you on Instagram or Facebook. Living a satisfied and content life comes from surrendering everything to God. That's where contentment will come. Now, you might be discontent because your circumstances are less ideal, less than ideal. And you have a hard time believing because your circumstances are less than ideal. Excuse me, you have a hard time believing that God actually cares for you. You need to learn that contentment has nothing to do with your circumstances and everything to do with your perspective on Jesus. Ouch. Either you trust in the Lord with all your heart or you don't. Again, I'm not preaching up here from my ivory tower. It's not easy. 
But learning contentment is just that. It's, it's learning. It's wrestling. It's struggling. It's not easy, but contentment will come as we believe the promises of God and trust that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to His purpose. You're going to be okay. Find your contentment in the one that has you and will always have you. Now you might be discontent because your heart and mind are focused on the wrong things. Only God can give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Nothing in this world will satisfy you. I don't care what Santa's going to bring down the chimney. It ain't going to make you content. Only Jesus can. With anything and everything else in this life, there is always a need for more. You get the raise. And then you overextend yourself. And then you need another raise. You get the fi- you finally you get the pair of jeans you want or the jacket you want or the sneakers you want. And then you're like, they wear out. Or, you know, they're not cool anymore. And i got to have this or that or the style set. That's why I wear flannels all the time. Flannels don't go out of style. They don't. Hoodies don't go out of style. They've been popular since the 1930s. See? You, you make wise investments. You're good. But more friends not going to make you content more clothes none of it Jesus and Jesus alone now you might be discontent because you don't know the love and grace of Jesus now I do want to say this if you are constantly wondering and searching for something to fill the dissatisfaction that you feel I want to suggest to you and I want to promise to you that there's a better way You don't have to constantly be spinning your wheels. You don't have to be constantly moving from one thing to the next. Contentment, peace, rest is found in Jesus Christ. Listen to his words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Surrender your life to Jesus today. Christian, surrender your life to Jesus today. Non-Christian, surrender your life to Jesus today. He And He alone will give you the contentment that you're longing for. Come to Him. You're weary, you're burdened, you're overwhelmed. And give it all to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you.